Pittsburgh Steelers fans, you know who you are. You know where you are. You know who we are. But I'm going to tell you anyways, you are the best fans in the world. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. The man next to me in your speakers is Kevin Thatcher Smith. You are on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And this is, here we go, the Steelers show. Because yes, you are Steelers fans. And this is where you go. If you love the Pittsburgh Steelers and want to read about the Steelers or listen about the Steelers. That's what happens here at BTSC. Kevin, here we go. It's time once again. It might be June, but you know, it's heating up and it's time to talk Steelers. Yes, sir. You know, you know how I know it's June? I'm going I'm to tell you one of the things I love the most when June rolls around. The, we have my wife and I have a friend uh, who's a pretty good fisherman and he, every June, first weekend of June, he heads out, he and some of his buddies. And they go out way offshore, out into the ocean, and they come back with a whole bunch of tuna. And he winds up cutting up some uh, some nice tuna steaks for us. And I just uh, I just grilled one, and uh, you know, nice and nice and rare, man, and just charred on the outside. And that was my dinner tonight. And and as soon as I have that tuna, I know it's it's summertime. So That's I, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of have that little bit of summer buzz going right now off of that tuna. So. <laughs> Well, you know, I live in Maryland and yeah. I had my first crab feed of the year and crabs a lot more expensive than what it used to be. But I was invited over to some friend's house over the weekend, got a chance to have some Maryland blue crab. And oh, that's summertime to me as well. You throw in some corn on the cob on the mix and it's beautiful. The, the food in summertime is great. The friendship is so awesome when you eat that food. But, you know, those are things that remind you of summer reminds me of summer fantastic i love to hear about it yeah very very exciting and when when you start to think about uh everything that summer brings and and it brings us the steelers so we've got lots to talk about yeah you, you don't think of summer in the steelers but the way the nfl is now it's almost like there isn't really an off season and we see that here behind the still curtain.com because we're having a lot of people tune in even in the month of June, just to get a glimpse of their obsession, the hypo cycloid wearing black and gold renegades that operate as the Pittsburgh Steelers. And there's always going to be news. Was there big news this week? Now, you know, here and there as the Steelers are in camp, I think the biggest news this week is what are they wearing on their heads, Kevin? Those guardian caps. I love those things. We, we wear them. We wear them with our high school team. You now uh, do you you don't wear them during games though, right? No, no, no. They're they're practice only. Yeah, uh, and we wear them like when we go to uh, participate in in seven on seven events where you're just, which is basically like a passing skeleton scrimmage that you're doing with other teams, and we'll, and we'll wear them for those. Uh, just to, just trying to prevent any extra hits to the head that you can, and you don't want to have any injuries via friendly fire in practice. That's for sure. So. Uh, our kids don't mind them. They're a little clunky, a little awkward. The photo of Mike Tomlin wearing his was fantastic, by the way. That's what I love about Mike T. You know, that's that's great stuff. Where there will there ever be a time when you see something like this in real games? I don't know. I, I just when you when you have them on over top of a regular helmet, there's it, first of all, they're, they're light, but you can see, you can feel the difference. You can, you definitely know that you're wearing something on your head. Um, and it's just, it's just awkward. There's an awkwardness to it. That's just, 
different. I, I really can't explain it. You almost would have had to have had put, put one on to really, really understand. But I think honestly, and this might sound silly, but I think the biggest reason why you, you won't, you won't see the NFL go to it is because they're just not aesthetically pleasing. They, they look goofy and people love helmets. Helmet designs are awesome. Did you ever, when you were, when you were young, you and I are about the same age, but when you were young, did you ever collect the mini helmets? Not only did I collect all those mini helmets, the uh, 25 centers that you, that you originally had to, you had to put the, uh, the stickers on them at one point, I collected the baseball helmets. And then when I got my first job out of college and I had some expendable money, I went and bought all of the mini helmets. So I have every single mini helmet as well. Oh, that's cool. When that's I talk cool. to the mini helmets now, not the, the micro helmets that you're talking about that we got for 25 cents. I'm yeah. talking about the, uh, not the big boys, but the, uh, the ones big enough to be on your shelf and that you see these guys signing. Right. That's cool. Yeah. People, people love those, those they're invested in them. There's brand identity there. I'd be surprised uh, this put that. I think football, football would be in dire straits if they ever had to go to those permanently. You know, there was a alignment for the 49ers in the 1990s, and I cannot remember who it was, but he used to wear, he was the first one to wear a protective helmet and he wore them in games and it was like foam, but it was painted with the 49ers. It looked like the helmet, but it was like a foam protector on top of it. And I cannot remember who it was, but I'm talking about maybe in the, the uh, early 2000s or the late 90s, it wore something like that. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Mm, not really. I remember Mark Kelso on the on the Bills had the uh, sort of extended helmet that uh, was for protective purposes, but I don't, I don't remember anybody in the Niners. And and it was it was like a fairly uh, a fairly big name, um, and it was a lineman. And I can't remember who it was, but I remember th- that happening. And at first, it was like, oh yeah, this is funny, but hey, it helped him because he had some concussion problems, so he wore it. But it looked a whole lot different than the uh, beehive helmets that they're wearing now in practice. And we get a good chuckle over it. But, man, you've got guys that look at a guy like Patty Fryermuth, who we're going to be talking about tonight. Look at a guy like that that has already had two concussions in one rookie season. Man, if that's going to help you out in practice, that's a good thing to have. I would love to see them wear it in practice all the time. Absolutely. And I, I won't, wouldn't be surprised if they, uh, if they do, it just makes too much sense, too much of an investment. Can you imagine with the money that you're putting out for these players being too cheap or too short sighted to, to spend those guardian caps cost about $30. So to spend 30, 30 to $40 for the NFL, probably get some at a discount. They might get them for free just to, just to have a team or a company put its name on there. So I, I would imagine that if they're not already, then all 32 teams should be using those in practice. Man, if I was an NFL player and I had to wear a guardian helmet, I'd have one 20 feet high in the air. I mean, like I would be like Fletch in the movie. Like, like all right, regularly he is, you know, five foot nine, but with his guardian helmet, he is eight foot seven. And then you'd just see me running around with this giant thing on my head, just a just to stay safe because I'm that much of a wimp. Uh, you have candy apple head. <laughs> candy apple head. I love it. <laughs> well, with that being said, 
what's going on in Steeler land this week? So, Kevin, in the last seven days, what has impressed you the most? What has made the biggest impression on you? How do you feel about the black and gold? Well, I love the little reports that we get coming out of their mini camp. Um, you, you know, you don't you don't get a whole lot of detail, but you do get these little nuggets that you can sink your teeth into, and and you sort of you sort of think about them a little bit. Uh, you know, or what's really being said here? There was a good interview with Matt Canada that came out the other day, uh, where he just talked about Najee Harris and and how he just looks different this year. He's bigger and and stronger, but he, he was talking about his presence. And that's great to hear because, you know, you, you, you think, hey, Najee's a guy who will now take on more of a leadership role on, on that offense with Ben Roethlisberger on. But the thing that really caught my attention was the reports about Fryermuth being bigger and stronger and some video of Fryermuth and Zach Gentry going through some blocking drills. First of all, I, we're all aware that Zach, Zach Gentry is a big dude. He's, he's 6'8", like 265, and, and that is enormous. Uh, but the video was stunning because Fryermuth is 6'5", 255. He might even be 260 now because they said he's gotten a little bigger and stronger. And he looked like a child next to Zach Gentry. Zach Gentry was absolutely dwarfing him uh, as they went through these blocking drills. And I was so impressed with how well Gentry was moving. And I, I kept thinking to myself, man, what's, what's the ceiling for this guy? I remember when he came in, uh, he looked like a, a newborn giraffe. You know, he just, he, he just, <laughs> his, his, his upper torso just seemed to be like too much, too big for his skinny little legs. And I thought like, he's, this guy's never going to make it. This guy's going to be a practice squad guy. He's just going to get out physical. And then he kind of disappeared for a year. We didn't see much of him. And then last year he emerged as the second tight end and he just looked like a completely different human being. And he looks even bigger and stronger and quicker still. So, so long story short, the tight ends have me very excited. Well, the name of the show is called best friends, growth trends and tight ends. And so that's what we are talking about tonight. And it seems like that these guys are best buddies. They, you know, we saw them maybe about a month ago at a Penguins game together. You know, these guys are screwing around, having fun. And when I say screwing around in a good way, you know, I mean, they're just cutting up. They they seem to be buddies. And as two tight ends on the team, and it seems like these guys are the number one and the number two tight ends. That almost seems to me like that's a benefit when you're this close and you're playing the same position, Kevin. Absolutely. And, and I think the fact that they have a, a friendship is important. Uh, they're young, <laughs> you know, Friermuth is 23, 24. Gentry is a year or two older. Think back to, to you and your buddies when you were 24, 25 years old and, and the things that you guys did together and just the, just the stupid jokes that you had between each other and, and the fun you had as, as young men in the early part of your adulthood. And you had like a great bond with those guys. Maybe they were guys that you knew from college or, or high school or wherever, but you had just, just this sort of, you, you were, you were both entering kind of this new phase of your life and you were, you were sharing all that with your close friends. And now imagine that you're doing that, but you're doing that as members of the Pittsburgh Steelers, as, as professional football players who are in the same position group, 
but you're also around the same age and you got a lot of commonality. They're both big 10 guys. I'm sure they got a lot of big 10 stories and, uh, and you're doing it for the Steelers, one of the most prestigious franchises in all of American sports. They're, they're, they have such a cool thing that they're sharing together. And it's great to see them to, uh, to be able to have a bond that seems to extend beyond the field. I think that that helps them tremendously. Well, my best friend, we are getting ready to celebrate our 40th anniversary of being buddies. And that was 1982 in September of 1982. And it was over football. It was like he moved to town. He was down the street playing, uh, throwing the ball with his brother. And we would play backyard football, my neighbor and I, and one of the uh, dads would be thrown to us. And they said, Hey, why don't you go down and, and see if the new boys want to come play. So went down and, uh, the one that was the same age as me in middle school, this was sixth grade and we were both 10 years old. And I said, Hey, do you want to play football? And they're like, yeah. And they, they come and play. And then I immediately bonded with, uh, with Dave, the sixth grader. And we have been friends, best friends for 40 years. Not only did we go to high school together, we went to the same college, the same fraternity. Then we worked at the same radio station together. And we were just, he just turned 50. I turned 50 a few months ago and we're talking about, Hey, we got to get the wives together and go on a trip, but we would go to on trips, even in our forties and all the bachelor parties with buddies. And we'd be the ringleaders and always been there. And you can see that kind of friendship and that kind of gelling with these guys. And when you're working together and you're that, and you're friends like that, there's two things that happen. And they both will happen. You guys are going to get each other, get on each other, and you're going to go ahead and rip on each other like crazy. But when it comes time to getting down to business, it's you guys against the world. And that's the good thing about working with your buddies. No doubt. I'm sure that they're pushing each other. They, they're competing for reps to a degree, but I think everybody knows the pecking order. And, uh, Fryermuth was a first round pick and Gentry's a fifth round pick and those things speak volumes, but more so there's, there are different types of players and the Steelers seem to be working on roles that accommodate both of their styles. Gentry is a bigger, more physical guy who's more of a traditional inline tight end and appears to be taking another step forward in terms of his blocking. And he might wind up being a butt kicker on the end. He might be a guy who now the Steelers, can start to run some of those old school gap schemes that they used to run all the time when you had Heath Miller, uh, where, where you need the tight end to be able to block down on, on one of those big five tech defensive tackles or or defensive ends, one of those big athletic D ends or be set the edge in the, in the run game. And the Steelers haven't been able to to do that for a few years and and they might be able to do that with, with Gentry. And, and then you have Friar who's emerging as a, a very, very different type of, tight end, a guy that you can actually put in the slot uh, where I expect to see him a lot this year and, and make him a matchup problem on teams that if they're in a nickel package and maybe they've got a smaller corner or, or, a, or a, a linebacker out there doesn't move as well in space, you got a matchup uh, issue with Fryermuth. And I wrote an article for the website this week on bunch sets and how I love to see the Steelers, you know, go a little bit deeper in their bunch package and, get guys like Fryermuth and Gentry on the field together to, to block those bunch sets from the edge. And uh, it gives the, the offense a lot of diversity. So I think the fact that both these guys will be involved in the offense 
uh, will will motivate them even further. You know, they'll 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 that bond that you you spoke of will will get deeper because they'll know what's at stake and and that's cool. They're in a really really awesome place and uh, and it's great to see that friendship blossoming. Miles Jack last week talked about the great culture on the Steelers. Now the culture with the tight ends, you know, it's been going on a long time, and we are going to compare these two players that we just spoke about with two players that played together in the past. But we're also going to give credit to the tight end that started this harmony maybe just just a season ago, and we're going to get credit to him as well. So stick around on Here We Go, the Steelers show with Kevin Smith and Brian Anthony Davis right after this on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. All right, we're back after a short break. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Kevin Smith is with me. It is Here We Go, the Steelers show. KT, we are talking tight ends. It's one of my favorite positions on the field, my man. Me too. Two, week, two weeks ago, we were talking about linebackers, and, and I was pretty excited to have that conversation. And to me, the tight ends are almost like the linebackers of the offense in terms of the things that they have to be able to do. Uh, their, their athleticism, the ability to have to be physical and tough, but also athletic and move well and uh, occupy a variety of roles. So, so yeah, this is a position group I've always been enamored with. Heath Miller is one of my favorite Steelers of all time. And I, I'm happy to see that the Steelers have two good ones. Absolutely. Now we talked about, the cohesiveness that is the tight end position right now. And I've got to give credit to Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron was a guy that last year he was the incumbent coming in and he was supposed to be the man last year. And unfortunately he got hurt and missed the, uh, the last six games or so of the season. But Ebron, when it came time for Pat Fryermuth to come in right away, welcomed him with open arms. And not only did that, but gave him an opportunity to thrive. And that's him is Pat Fryermuth in the situation. And he celebrated everything that number 88 did from the get-go. And so there was a culture in the tight end room right away, not just with Ebron, but with Kevin Rader and Zach Gentry. So a big shout out goes to Eric Ebron, who's not on the team anymore, but who helped start this thing going instead of it being a competition and having a chip on your shoulder. This was different. This was welcome in. We're going to dominate as we are Pittsburgh Steeler tight ends and we are going to be a family. And that's how this started. And I think it's paying dividends, Kevin. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Ebron's a great teammate and a guy that the fans got on a lot for dropping some balls and not being a great blocker, but he did other things here that were, that were pretty valuable. And I'll just, I'll tell you uh, just a quick story. I I got, I know Eric Ebron a little bit. He, he, for about four summers before COVID hit worked out in ocean city where I live every summer, his his trainer was a guy named John Porter, whose, whose son is actually on my football team now. And, uh, and John's a very well-respected trainer, trains a bunch of NFL guys and, and every summer, Eric would come down and, and he'd work out with John. And he'd come around our football team. And this was this was when before he was on the Steelers. And he was always wonderful to our players. He would always stop. He would talk to them. 
when he didn't, you know, be, beyond the time that he'd sort of be expected to, you know, you, a guy comes over and says hi to your kids and they're, they're all starstruck because it's an NFL guy, but he'd hang around and he'd actually throw with our quarterbacks. He, he'd basically have our quarterbacks put him through a workout. And one day he showed up at practice and he got there a little bit late. And most of our guys had left and I was kind of the only one left lurking around. And he asked me if I'd throw to him. So I said, okay. And we went out there and we warmed up a little bit. First of all, NFL balls are awful. We're, we're throwing with the NFL balls. They're terrible. They're slippery. They have terrible grip on them. I couldn't believe how, how much I hated throwing an NFL ball. But long story short, he, he asked me to throw him some, some dig routes, which are, which are, are deep ends from, from slot receivers. So he was going to go up about 12 to 14 yards up the seam and then break across the middle of the field. And I was going to take a seven step drop from under quarterback. So I said, set hut, took my drop, got to the back of my drop. By the time I got to the back of my drop, he was already well out of his break and halfway through halfway across the middle of the field. I threw him the ball. He caught it close to the opposite hash and he just came back shaking his head. And I, and I, I said, why are you shaking your head? And he's like, man, you just got me killed. <laughs> he said, you just, you, he said, you just ran me into the backside safety. And that, and I just went on that guy's highlight reel. He's like that. He's like, that thing's got to come out before I make my break. And I said, I'm sorry, man. I can't get to the back of the drop fast enough. <laughs> you know, like I just said, you're covering way too much ground, way too fast. He was a huge guy, six, five two fifty, but he was incredibly athletic and he covered so much. His strides were enormous. And he could cover so much ground. I was just stunned that when I hit the back of my break that he was that far down and that far across the field. And it gives you an appreciation for how tremendous uh, these athletes are in the NFL. And so real quick, when you think about guys like, like Fryermuth, who's just as big as Ebron and, and almost as quick, but a lot more physical, you're talking about huge individuals with exceptional uh, athleticism, truly some of the most elite athletes on the planet. Yes, they are. And I just think it's amazing. And that story just made me smile how and made me sad a little bit that my good friend KT got admonished by an NFL tight end. You know, I, mean, I was like 47 years old. at the time, So <laughs> if, he, if he wants a 47 to throw to him, he's going to have to deal with the consequences. Of that. <laughs> Man, you just got me killed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, wow. I love it. So, you know, Kevin, I also want to talk about, and I teased this before the break, I want to talk about one of the greatest dynamic duos as far as Pittsburgh Steelers go with the tight ends. Now, the greatest dynamic duo of tight ends would have to be, in my mind, Randy Grossman and Benny Cunningham. Those guys were, though, they were both more pass catchers than anything. They, uh, they weren't blockers as much. I mean, Randy was more of a finesse tight end than he was a blocking tight end as well. And Benny Cunningham was a number one pick there. But when I talk about the greatest dynamic duo, you have one that wasn't as much of a pass catcher, but he was very important. And then you had the guy that could do it all. And that was Heath Miller. The other guy I'm talking about is... Matt Spath, who, if I'm not mistaken, was six seven. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting comparison between the two guys we have now. It's funny you bring up Randy Grossman. Randy Grossman was like six three two twenty, uh, and he was an NFL tight end. That is that is wide receiver size in the end. Chase Claypool is bigger than that. They, it's funny we took 
we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago when we referenced Mike Webster, who was you, you had asked if would Jack Ham be an, you know, be an elite player these days. And, and we were both saying Jack Ham, he wouldn't be 215 pounds today. He'd be 240 and he'd be a, you know, a freak. And Mike Webster was 260, but he'd be, you know, 300 pounds. It's just amazing how much things have changed. But I think Spaeth is an interesting comparison to Gentry, although Gentry uh, has become more physical than Spaeth ever was. Gentry's a better version of Spaeth. I think Spaeth was very, you know, was, was a nice pairing for Miller. If Fryermuth becomes Miller, oh, we'll all be like out of our minds excited. He's a little bit different. He's more athletic and not as physical. But, but interesting, yeah, if the Steelers could get to with the current group, what they had with that, Miller Spaeth pairing, I think that that'd be pretty uh, exciting. Another guy I want to bring up is Jesse James. Yes, Jesse James caught that ball. But Jesse James was a guy that when he was a fifth round pick in 2015 of the Pittsburgh Steelers, he was known as more of a pass catcher and not much of a blocking tight end. But by the time his time was done here in Pittsburgh, Jesse James was a pretty good blocker. He really worked on it. And is that something that you're seeing now with the quarterback turned tight end, which is Zach Gentry? Absolutely. First of all, what he's done in the weight room is very impressive because the weight that he's put on has not come at the expense of his mobility or his athleticism. I think that's one of the great fallacies that gets passed around a lot in the sporting world is that, well, when you bulk up, you lose uh, your athleticism that, that can be true it just all depends on how you bulk up he managed to do it uh, in a way that uh, is good it's clean weight he, he hasn't gotten top heavy he's thick in the core he's thick in his legs um, and you can tell obviously how much he's worked on his footwork and his agility he 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 even seems more agile now than he did when he was uh, a rookie so obviously the, and the other th- thing is, is that, you know, the Steelers are training him, right? He's being, he's being instructed properly. And um, there's a, there's an aggressiveness to him that I didn't see when he was younger. And more so, I think that now with Canada's scheme uh, and this, and Canada did talk over the last week about the Steelers putting in some more outside zone. I think that you see them recognizing, Hey, we got a guy who can block the edge. And so it's going to be an emphasis that the Steelers could not get outside the last couple of years. And I think they recognize in Gentry, they got a guy that, that can set the edge. And, and I think we'll see more of the outside zone, the sweep game, uh, you know, opportunities for them to get the ball in the perimeter. Now the question is number three. And Kevin Rader could very much be that number three, but we've got to figure out what position Connor Hayward is and all indications are going to be that Connor Hayward is a tight end for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. He made some headlines this week with his diving one-handed catch that he celebrated and was admonished for by his teammates. (laughs) They gave him what they gave him. They gave him a t-shirt he had to wear that said, uh, I can't remember what was on it, but it was basically like uh, the t-shirt of shame for, (laughs) you know, for, for celebrating a play that was, a nice catch, but it didn't, it wasn't a touchdown. It wasn't even a first down. So in essence, <laughs> the veteran said, you know, slow your roll, buddy. That's a nice catch, but it's not celebration worthy. <laughs> you gotta love that. I'm sure big bro is chiming in on there too. And I'm not absolutely. talking, I'm not talking rich Schofield either. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He's, I, I think he's a, he's an H back. Uh, you may see him put his hand down in the dirt 
as a traditional tight end at times. But I really think that they'll use him as as that off the ball tight end, uh, the hybrid between the tight end and the fullback. And, the, and they're going to motion him around. And I, I expect to see him run some jet sweep. Canada likes to do that with bigger guys because defenses don't expect it. And I think that uh, he'll catch balls in the flat and you'll, you'll see him uh, block the backside of zone runs and you'll see him use the chip uh, pass rushers and, and late release. And I think he's an interesting guy. I mean, he, he was a pretty darn good running back early in his career. And uh, then he bulked up and, and uh, took that tight end role on. And so his skill set gives Matt Canada a lot of options with, with how to use him. So he's an intriguing guy. And I don't know necessarily know if he's got uh, a, a, a true position. But uh, in that hybrid H-back role, I think he fits nicely. So Kevin Rader has a chance to make this team then? I think he does. It all depends on what the Steelers do with the tailback position. So that's an interesting question, too, because you've got Najee. And, and then what? Then, that, then it's kind of becomes a bit of a question mark. I mean, Benny Snell appears to be the backup. But beyond him, uh, there's going to be some questions. I mean, is McFarlane going to make the team? Is, is one of the undrafted free agents going to make the team? And we've certainly seen the Steelers keep some of those guys at running back. So I think more so like Hayward could be seen as a guy who is, if they want to keep three true tight ends, that they could keep Hayward in a hybrid role where he could be a tight end, an H-back, a fullback, even a tailback. His versatility is, is going to be the thing that keeps him around. Could we be seeing Slash 2.0? <laughs> I don't know. Can you throw the ball? <laughs> that we don't want to find out. I think <laughs> I really don't know if we want to know that for sure. Uh, with that being said, Kevin, let's talk about growth. And we've already talked about growth as far as on the weight side, watching these guys, you know, bulk up in good football weight, putting on good pounds which is beneficial. Now we're not talking about put it on the pasta pounds. We're not talking about put it on the pounds that you you're sitting there with your, your uh, pants unbuttoned and watching reruns of uh, Hardcastle and McCormick or Jake and the fat man. We're not talking about that. We're talking about pounds that are, that you put on in the weight room and making you a much better football player. And it seems like they've done that. Yeah, absolutely. Najee. And uh, Fryermuth and Gentry, all of them, they've been they've been grinding in the weight room. But there's another type of growth, and that is their growth as a football player, and 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 what they're what they're capable of doing because of the experience they now have. Um, and so I look for growth from the tight end position, specifically in the route tree. What are, what kind of routes are we going to see? A lot's been made of the fact that the Steelers struggled to throw the ball into the middle of the field over the last few years. And a lot of that had to do with the offensive line and, uh, and Ben Roethlisberger wanting to get the ball out quickly. But the Steelers are better positioned in the interior of their line to be better in pass protection with Mason Cole at center and James Daniels at guard. And uh, I think they're bigger and stronger in the interior. That should help them uh, keep that pocket from getting pushed into the QB's face as quickly as it has the last few years. And that should give the offense the opportunity to, to – attack the middle of the field more the quarterback's going to be able to hang in the pocket a little bit more and that really opens up the route tree for the tight ends uh one of one of my favorite route route concepts in all of football is a route concept called drive and drive is a route that you know teams run 
from high school, college to the pros. And real quick, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a real simple concept where you have an underneath crosser who's crossing underneath the linebackers at about four yards. He's going across the field. Uh, and then you've got a deeper in cut at about 12 to 15 yards breaking behind the linebackers. So you're getting a high low on the linebackers. And you have a third route, which is some sort of vertical taking the top off the coverage to get the safeties uh, or the corners out of there. It could be a straight seam. It could be a post. It could be a corner. So it's basically like what you're really trying to do is remove the deep, the deep coverage so that you can run a high low on the linebackers. But to do that, you really need a, a guy who can attack the middle of the field. And to me, that's the tight ends. You get a 6'5 guy like Fryermuth, or you get a 6'8 guy like Gentry running that deep in behind the linebackers. Uh, and that's, that's darn hard for the linebackers to cover, especially if you get a quick guy, a Deontay Johnson uh, or Calvin Austin, running that shallow route underneath them. And you know, a couple of little dink and dunk routes to those guys running the, the shallow part of the drive, pulls those backers up, and now you have a big target running behind them. So this is the kind of growth that I'm anticipating for the tight ends. Let's, let's see what kind of development there is in, in the route tree and whether or not you know, the Steelers can get Fryermuth involved more in the middle of the field. All right, let's talk about stats and growth trends. Those are the kind of uh, stats that we're going to bring up here when we're talking about growth. And we're going to look at Pat Fryermuth last year. 79 targets, 60 receptions, 75.9% catch percentage, and 497 yards receiving. Now I'm going to bring up, we're going to go back in that way back machine, that black and gold DeLorean and go back to 2005. And let's throw in Heath Miller. Heath Miller had 39 receptions on 52 targets for a catch percentage of 75%. We're looking at a difference of 0.9 in favor of Fryermuth. Yards per target was 8.8 for Heath, 8.3 for one Mr. Fryermuth. Yards... 497 to 459 for one Heath Miller. So a little bit of an advantage there. Starts we're not going to talk about because Heath Miller started 15 of 16. It was 9 of 16 for Fryermuth. So when we're looking at this, touchdowns is another big thing we want to talk about. Touchdowns, Fryermuth came close to Heath Miller's record of eight, but not as a rookie. Heath Miller had six as a rookie. Fryermuth had seven. And one big stat that we look at here, Kevin, is first downs. Heath Miller had 22 first downs for the Steelers in 2005. And then Pat Fryermuth in 2021, as a rookie, had 34 first downs. So with that being said, Kevin, that's a big deal because the job of the tight end is to move the chains, right? Right. Yes. So that, that tells you two things. It tells you one that uh, when you look at the yards per catch, Fryermuth only had about 40 more total receiving yards, despite the fact that he had 20 some more catches. So his, his yards per catch average was much shorter, smaller than was Miller. So the Steelers were throwing the ball down the field more in 2005 than they were in 2021. But it also tells you in regard to the first downs that Fryermuth, as the season went, earned Ben Roethlisberger's trust. I mean, because, right, it's when it's third down and you want to move the chains, what's the quarterback doing? He's looking for the guy that he relies upon the most, that he knows 
He's going to catch the football. He's going to be open. He's going to be uh, put himself in position to convert. And so uh, that tells us that that Fryermuth and Roethlisberger developed pretty good chemistry in those situations. And, and that bodes well. That means, of course, that, that uh, the Steelers can, can count on Fryermuth to be that chain mover. That's huge for the offense. It really is. Now, Heath Miller did win a Super Bowl his rookie season with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pat Frymuth, as you know, did not. But a lot of people are hoping that Pat Frymuth could become the next Heath Miller. Now, it's lofty to say that, but is it fair to say that Pat Frymuth could be Heath? Or is it fair to say Pat Frymuth is just going to be the best Pat Frymuth he could be? And we don't need to compare these guys. Yeah, I think the latter is probably a better assessment of the situation because, again, they're not they're not uh, true parallels as far as being comparable. Miller was uh, a different, a little bit of a different style of tight end. He was more physical, let, not quite as athletic, a little bit more of a classic tight end. In, in an era where in 2005 tight ends were, were predominantly attached to the line of scrimmage and inline blockers. And Fryermuth is this new breed of tight end where he does play off the ball a lot, where he does uh, detach from the formation and line up in the slot or, or line up outside. Um, I, I, in, in the, in the uh, article I wrote this week about the bunch sets, uh, I, I have a film clip in there where, where the Steelers put bunch to one side of the formation and on the other side, they, they split Fryermuth out wide, one-on-one against the corner in the red zone. And he just roasts the corner on an outcut for a touchdown against Minnesota. That's not something Heath Miller ever did because people weren't doing that with the tight ends at that time. So the tight end position has evolved. And while I think we compare Fryermuth to Miller a lot because Miller was the last great Pittsburgh tight end, Fryermuth is, is a new breed of tight end who really is in a different classification you know it's funny too because i'm glad that you said that that they are completely two different guys but we found that we found evidence last year that pat fryermuth as he grows can become that guy that wins games for this team now there's two instances where he was not successful that had he been it would have meant possibly two more wins for the pittsburgh steelers One was against Detroit in a game that I was unfortunately at where he tried to stretch the field and could not get the first down instead of going out of bounds and ended up fumbling. Again, that was once again against Detroit. And the other one was when he got sandwiched. He absolutely got sandwiched in the end zone against Minnesota and was not able to hold onto that ball. It it got taken away from him. Had Had he made those two plays, then we're looking at probably a Pro Bowl tight end in Pat Fryermuth, and we're talking about the not just the second coming of Heath Miller. We're talking about the next Travis Kelsey, I think, at this point. Right. And by the way, that Minnesota that was a helmet to helmet hit, and I will go to my grave <laughs> making that point. I'm still bitter about that. Well, that's, uh, that that is true. Yeah. And yeah. nobody faults him. Nobody faults him for not. No. Making that play. No. 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 Not at all. Um, you're right. He, and, and what does that tell you about, about the Steelers offense is that in those big situations, they were looking for Fryermuth. Think about the impact that 
Najee Harris and Pat Fryermuth had on the Pittsburgh offense last year. It's really incredible considering those guys were were rookies and not just rookies, but also rookies coming through the the tail end of the COVID restrictions where they didn't get the normal routine, the normal offseason that rookies are getting the, even this year. And so that they had to really kind of scramble and play catch up as compared to uh, rookies in normal seasons. And so uh, the reports out of, out of camp so far about how good those two guys look, Harris and Fryermuth, are really exciting when you consider how good they were last year as, as rookies under tough circumstances. It really was. I mean, it, it was amazing how those guys have just come through. So, Kevin, let's wrap things up here. If you are looking at a scale from one to 10, what is your excitement level of the Steelers tight ends? Oh, it's a 10. It's a 10. I'm, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to be overly sensationalistic or anything and try to blow it out of proportion. But when I think about all the position groups on the, on the team, uh, they might be the one, the, the group I'm most excited about because it's the group where I think the potential for them to leap forward from, from where they were last year is the greatest. I think the tight end group was good last year, uh, better than it's been in, in, in a few years. But I think the growth of Fryermuth and Gentry combined with what we know Matt Canada likes to do with tight ends, which is get them heavily involved in the offense, and with a quarterback who is going to be more mobile and be able to allow the offense to develop long, longer developing routes and extend plays and things like that, uh, all of which bodes well for the tight end production. I think that this is a year that we could really be impressed by what the tight ends do in Pittsburgh. True or false, let's look into the future. Let's go 18 years down the road. And I can't believe I'm actually thinking about 2040. But it's 2040. And am I, am I, first of all, tell me, am I alive? Did yes. I make it? Yes. Right, I've made it. You, right, you, so, you're right. making it. You're, you're a survivor. You. Okay, good. Thank you. You're, unfortunately, you're probably going to be doing a show with me in 2040. <laughs> so I, I hate to break that to you. but okay. <laughs> I hope so, man. But so you and I are talking in 2040 and we're a lot slower, but we're like, yeah, the Steelers just picked up this young whippersnapper tight end. And they're saying he could be the next Patty Fryermuth. KT, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's the trajectory Fryermuth is on. What would, what would suggest that he won't become that player? Okay. So maybe he suffers an injury that that really derail derails his career. Um, otherwise, the, what you you rarely see a guy do what he did as a rookie uh, and not then progress forward, not not sort of carry that forward. So long as he stays healthy, uh, so long as the Steelers don't do something ridiculous like you know, fire other staff and bring in a bunch of knuckleheads who don't know what they're doing. And, and, and his career's affected that way. But what he showed last year is that, is that uh, as long as he continues to do the right things and not derail himself uh, or not have some freak thing derail his career, that the, the arc of his career is going to be very impressive. When we were talking about the Steelers selection of Kenny Pickett and when we were talking about the Steelers bringing in Mitch Trubisky. We talked about one guy that it was going to benefit more than anybody. And one of the, one of those guys were absolutely Najee Harris. And we know that, but one guy that we agreed upon was it was Pat Fryermuth. 
because I would think, and I would hope that you'd agree that a guy like Pat Fryermuth benefits more from having either Trubisky or Pickett at quarterback because of them not being a Ben Roethlisberger than having right. Ben Roethlisberger back there thrown to him. And he did right. very well with Ben. Right, 100%. If, if for no other reason, for the uh, increased play action that will exist in the offense. We, we It's been well documented that Roethlisberger is not a huge fan of play action. Canada likes play action. Uh, Trubisky's a good play action quarterback. Pickett's certainly capable of it. The opportunities for tight ends uh, in play action, simply because what play action does more, more than anything else is it displaces the linebackers from their coverage. And who benefits most from that? Tight ends uh, who run those seams and crossing routes that linebackers are often required to cover. I mean, look at look at Rob Gronkowski. I mean, you know, the dude's great. No, no question about it. He's a great football player, but he has made uh, himself into a, a a potential Hall of Famer off of the play action game and the chemistry that he and Tom Brady have. How many times have we seen Tom Brady take a snap from under center, run the ball back to the tailback, make a beautiful fake like we, like he always does, put that ball in that, in that tailback's belly and then pull it out, pop up, and then hit Gronkowski running some kind of seam or crosser behind the linebackers. I mean, it's just like a, a running on a bad loop in my head. And I think, that the, <laughs> I think that that's something that the Steelers can do with uh, their guys this year. All right, final thing. As we get ready to wrap things up here, I was going to uh, ask you the ultimate unanswerable question. Who's going to be the greatest 88 of all time? Lynn Swan, Pat Fryermuth. I'm not going to. That's not fair. And mm. we, can, we cannot answer that question. But the question I do need to ask you here is if we're looking at Pat Fryermuth or any of the other players that were mentioned in the news this week, Who's the dude of the week? Well, I, I, I was hoping you would answer because I, uh, or you would ask because I have my answer and I'm my dude of the week is Zach Gentry simply because of the video I looked at and, and, and the physical presence of Zach Gentry that screams, that's a dude. I mean, when I, again, when I tell you he was dwarfing Fryermuth uh, in that drill that they were running, Again, they didn't need they, they didn't have pads on, so you really just saw their bodies. And uh, and Zach Gentry was just a humongous human being, and he just looked so impressive. So he is absolutely my dude of the week. All right, and just for the sake of one of my favorite BTSC guys that loves the segment dude of the week, can we give an honorable dude of the week to Dave Schofield? <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Dave has has proven himself over the years around BTSC to have dude qualities. Uh, and so, you know, Dave, one of these weeks, I think Brian and I will do a, a segment in which we ac- actually absolutely feature you as dude of the week. <laughs> we, we can go through all his highlights. That's would, right. Would you let Dave Schofield kick a field goal for your team with the state championship on the line? Uh, I'm going to say no, <laughs> because I don't want to get fired. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Dave, I have no idea if you can kick field goals or not, but uh, I, you know, I don't know if that's, if that's in your, in, is that in Dave's repertoire? Is oh, you have out? never seen the video, the BTSC video, the kick heard around the world. 
we're going to have to talk about this offline, but it's famous and it was a BTSC exclusive with Jeff Hartman, Dave Schofield and myself on location. Dave stuck his foot in the mouth, foot in his mouth and had to attempt a 45 yard field goal. Oh, uh, let me, all right. Let me, let me watch the kick before I I answer the question. Give me a, (laughs) give me a mulligan. Let me see. Let me see the video first. All right. For Kevin Smith. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. This has been an absolute blast. I enjoy my time with Kevin every single week and you should check out behind the steel curtain.com for all of your favorite Pittsburgh Steeler shows and articles. You're going to hear Kevin Smith. You're going to see Kevin Smith's writing as well. So go ahead and check that out this morning. If you did not check out let's ride my man, Jeff Hartman had one of my other guys guy that I'm, completely proud of i think he's fantastic on this network and he's growing every single day it's one jerome betts yes jeremy betts and all bets are off segment is going to be on let's ride so you check that out as well check out the great shows this weekend too on youtube and also you can go ahead and download them and listen to them later it is touchdown under with my aussie friends matty p marky e. d and don't forget tony defio with the Friday night six pack with Tony. So many great shows. There's stuff that you missed this week. Go back. You can, you can just go ahead and listen to it just because you missed it. Doesn't mean you can't find it in the archives. Very easy to find. Go ahead and just do it for Kevin Smith. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. We need you to do three things. One, be safe Two, be true to yourself. And three, always be behind the steel curtain. You got to keep your feet on the ground, Kevin. And keep reaching for the hypocycloids. <laughs> <laughs>